welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm Johnny Grody, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a freelance film writer. It's Will Ashton. What up? We're doing the intro again. Again? What do you mean? Oh, you know, uh, I mean, we're just doing it for the first time ever. Yeah, well, the whole point is we pretend like we didn't just go through this and had to redo the whole thing. The listeners don't need to know all the behind the scenes drama. I think it adds character, you know, it makes the episodes interesting. You're right. I hate faking things. It's hard for me to do it correctly. And authenticity or authentically, that's the word. You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive on cinemaholics.com. And if you'd like to hit us up, we have an email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we have a Discord. And in the first version of this intro, I was trying to say, like, <laughs> we have a Discord. We're hanging on the Discord. We're talking about movies and all kinds of other fun stuff. And I was like, well, Will's, Will's on the Discord. He's a bit of a lurker. And then Will responded, I'm never on the Discord. And whoever's on the Discord is a nerd. And then I got all embarrassed. Yeah, no, that was exactly word for word what I was saying. Um, <laughs> That's how I felt. I was being upfront and saying that uh, I have not really uh, been on the Discord, not uh, out of choice, but rather I just kind of keep forgetting we have a Discord. Um, so I should make that a regular part of my uh, online habit. That's where you can find me. And I mean, I'm hanging out and I get the impression you have other Discords and I want to know what they are. Sure. I want yeah. a detailed list. Every Discord you're part of, uh, what each oh, one man. is called, all of your contributions to each one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I'll make sure I give you that list and I'll, I'll make it nice and thorough. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Put, putting me off there, huh? We're talking about Joyride this week. And uh, before we talk about Joyride, new comedy, everyone's talking about it. Well, I do have to ask you, Insidious, The Red Door was the big box office winner of this past weekend. And I did not watch it. You did not watch it. Mike Overhouse, friend of the show and uh, Mad Men Men guest, he watched it, hated it, gave it a two out of 10. Are you feeling regrets? Are you feeling like, why aren't we talking about the big movie of the weekend? What do you think? Oh, uh, it's not regret. I mean, I, I haven't really kept up with the two most recent Insidious chapters uh, or whatever they call themselves. Um, well, there's a, this is the fifth movie. And this new movie continues after chapter two. Now, I will put this out there. I have only seen the first Insidious, and I don't care about the Insidious franchise. I watched the first one over a decade ago. I didn't think Mm -hmm. it was that great. And I don't understand the hype, personally. Uh, I remember the first one being solid, but I do remember uh, it was like better in the first two-thirds than it was in the finale. I barely remember remember it. it. Good opening scene. I remember the opening scene pretty well. Sure. Um, I just remember like when Darth Maul monster came in, mm-hmm. it just kind of got silly for me. In a way that I feel like one was able to kind of better do like third act silliness and something like uh, malignant later on in his career. But I don't know. I just kind of got this. I felt like at the time, and maybe on a rewatch, it'd be kinder to it. But when I saw it, I was just kind of like, I'm with them, with them, with it. And then that came in, and I was just like, not with it anymore. Um, and then I was kind of like so-so on the second and third one. So I, I haven't really kept uh, tabs on the uh, Insidious franchise, uh, as it were. But uh, I was, I will say, I, I was curious to kind of see how they wrap it up. But when you mentioned that we'd be doing Joyride instead, I wasn't, uh, like, I wasn't heartbroken. Like, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, it's not like you chose joyride instead of doing like oppenheimer or something 
Um, <laughs> but I was kind of surprised that you wanted to take precedent on this film, considering that Inside, Inside Insidious would be uh, the bigger film, unquestionably, of the weekend. That's the thing. This is one of those examples of a weekend where, yeah, it's the bigger film on a technicality, but I mean, which film is going to go on? Which one is going to be more interesting to talk about? Which is the one that people are going to be more curious to listen to a podcast of people talking about? You know what I mean? Like, who's talking about the fifth Insidious movie? Who's sort of watching that movie and being like, I got to find out what other people are adding to the conversation? That's not this movie, right? No, but we could have done like past lives would have been late we could have done that that's true i still do want to do bat past lives don't get me wrong yeah but i also want to strike strike while the iron's hot we're already way sure. past the due date of past lives so like what's another sure. week you know what i mean yeah what's another past life yeah all right joyride joyride is a new comedy raunchy comedy kind of film directed by adele lynn her first film directing uh she was uh, one of the co-writers on crazy rich asians and she has a story credit on this movie, although it's a little it's a little dicey on how much she helped with the script for this movie. Uh, I believe she did more so than I think the union rules stipulate, but that's just me speculating. Uh, screenplay here is by Cherry Shivabra Pradazumrong and Teresa Hsiao. So, okay, Joyride has been a long time marketed as a kind of studio comedy that is full-on r-rated coming out in the middle of summer could be a surprise hit it has been doing well you know it's not a big budget movie and it's been you know it didn't have the biggest explosive weekend it is an r-rated movie but it's getting really good reviews from critics Uh, a lot of people are looking at like you know it can it can collect its money over the next few weeks because it is counter-programming. And as you already kind of jokingly alluded to, I actually have seen the movie twice. I watched it at the Cam Fest in San Francisco. Uh, that is a uh, film festival that's dedicated to Asian American and the Asian di- diaspora uh, in this community, the Bay Area community, coming together and screening lots of really interesting films. This was one of the uh, major film events for the festival. So I actually had a really good, like my first time watching it, I had a really good film experience. I got to see it at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, one of the most beautiful theaters in the whole world. And I know, like I even was messaging you, Will, that they had the organ guy playing. I know you're a big Uh, fan of the organ guy. Love that theater, love that guy, love that organ, all of it, yeah. What's there not to love, right? And yeah, so... So I watched the movie the first time, thought it was hilarious, but I did want to watch it a second time because I knew that uh, my wife wanted to watch it. She was actually the first person who told me about this movie. She had watched the trailer and was like, hey, I, I, you know, this looks pretty funny. And, you know, she is, you know, Chinese American. And so I think that she was like, hey, you know, she, she, she liked Crazy Rich Asians. And like, it's not like there are a ton of like mainstream Asian comedies coming out all the time. And this one actually looked worth people's time. And so she told me about it. We watched it again at a press screening. And so I have seen the movie twice now. I'm a big fan. I've talked about the movie on the show already. I've already sort of gushed about it. And I have given the sort of trepidation that I I don't think it's a Will Ashton kind of movie. Uh, I'll walk through the setup. But of course, you know, I want to I want to hear your spiel on it. And, And if people are curious why I love it so much, I'll try to explain it. But I did write a piece about it on cinemaholics.com uh, where I wrote about how I think Joyride or movies like Joyride can really do a lot to save the state of the Hollywood studio comedy so we can watch movies like this on the big screen and not just only see stuff like this on Netflix and and you know streaming services but uh, anyway to that effect 
Uh, Joyride is about a group of young women in their 20s, and each of them is a uh, Chinese-American um, or a Chinese immigrant. And the two main characters really are uh, one character named Audrey. She's played by Ashley Park. You might recognize her from Girls 5 Eva, as well as, uh, what was that one? Emily and Paris, that one. And also Sherry Cola, up-and-coming uh, comedian who is in Shortcomings, uh, which I think more people are going to be seeing later this summer, and she's uh-huh. also in Good Trouble. And uh, the, they are like best friends, but uh, Audrey, the Ashley Park character, she is uh, an adoptee. She has two white parents. One of them is played by, uh, what's, what's his name? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, Daniel Denman? Is that it? I know it's something Denman. I'm going to look it up. David Denman. Huh? Okay. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, also, uh, somebody from Bridesmaids, which is kind of fitting since, you know, Bridesmaids is all over this movie in terms of DNA. Annie Momolo. Yes, uh, the uh, co-writer of the uh, Bridesmaids, yeah. Yes, thank you. But well, she also, she appears in Bridesmaids, too, I think. Yeah, she makes um, a cameo, but... Yes. I mean, she's the Oscar-nominated co-writer of uh, of Bridesmaids, but also the star or co-star of uh, Barb and Sarga Vista Del Mar. That's right, that's right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, good, good segue into Barb and Star, which is another kind of recent comedy that people are actually like, hey, this is... This is funnier than we usually see. Uh, although yeah. in that case, that movie came out during uh, lockdown COVID times. But yeah. anyway, um, also uh, uh, before I before I move on to the other uh, cast members, of course. Uh, so Audrey is the uh, she's an adoptee of those two white parents, and she becomes as a kid she has best friends with uh, the young version of Sherry Cola's character Lolo. And the movie takes place when they end up going on a road trip through China in order to find. Audrey's birth mother. And along for the ride, for the joy ride, are uh, Stephanie Hsu, uh, who we recently saw in Everything Everywhere All at Once, also recognized her from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, she plays a famous Chinese actress who was a college roommate of Audrey's. And uh, she's kind of like, she was just as like sexually adventurous and promiscuous as Lolo is. Lolo is extremely like breaking all the rules, kind of punk rock, super fun. And a uh, cat is a little bit more repressed. She's dating a, a literally like a guy who doesn't want to lose his virginity until he's married, like that kind of thing. And then also they bring along Lolo's cousin played by Sabrina Wu. Uh, her cousin is named Deadeye, who is this kind of quirky character who is like, who loves, k-pop who is definitely very like unconventional definitely vibes of like asexual non-binary also very much uh you know on the spectrum in certain ways i think some people could read into and so the four of them go on this really uh, fascinating adventure through china trying to learn about themselves each other and the joy of being asian all right well Ash, yes neither of us is asian okay yeah. and and I'll, and I'll put this out there i have seen people who are asian who have loved this movie and not loved this movie. I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of people who hate this movie, but you know, I've seen this movie run the gamut. I've seen people be like, you know, the, I was a little let down. You know, I went into it. It was funny, but like, you know, I've, I, I, I certainly believe that there is a, a range here. Now, I thought this movie was hilarious. I loved it both times. I thought it was so, so wonderful to watch. Uh, and you and I, you have chosen not to tell me what you think of this movie, I think on purpose, because I think you've been trying to find the words to break my heart. Uh-huh. And even though you know that I know it's coming. Uh, so go ahead. This is your chance to uh, ruin my entire life. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly I think you had more... Uh, you, you had a greater experience with this film, certainly, than I did. I, my anticipation 
for it was fairly minuscule. I was not driving with the trailers, as I've mentioned, I think, already on the show. Um, you know, I, I just wasn't really seeing what you were seeing in the film, but I was willing to give it the uh, benefit of the doubt, of course. Uh, not only in the sense of being objective, but I knew you were a really big fan. Um, I will say, I mean, the trailers, I think, highlight a lot of the worst jokes in the film, at least in my opinion. Uh, I think a lot of the funnier stuff in the film is uh, stuff you really get to see when you get to know the characters better, when you get to see the dynamic really flourish with these four women. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it does benefit from, you know, letting itself play out in a way that I feel like the trailer is trying to highlight the raunchiness, which is fine. I mean, it, it was certainly nice to see a movie this outwardly raunchy coming off of uh, No Hard Feelings which was oddly kind of, not chast, but like, it felt like it was trying to be sweet, but not really getting the range. Like kind of trying for a balance, maybe uh, along the lines of something like forgetting Sarah Marshall and not quite getting that quite right. So uh, hold on, no hard feelings. You're talking about the movie where we see a full frontal Jennifer Lawrence fight people on the beach. And you're like, oh, oh sorry, not raunchy enough? What? Yeah, I mean, that's like a more the exception than the norm i think in that film though in terms of the the raunch or the outrageous i know i'm just kind of being a little bit of a jerk Mm. yeah but i mean um as far as this movie is concerned uh i think it's a lot better about uh getting um you know like the raunch and the outrageousness of it but i think it has a different problem where i feel like a lot of those moments feel more forced to me like i feel the movie isn't quite as um able to balance its sweet intent sweet heartfelt intentions with the kind of more outrageous bombastic comedic moments and that's not to say that those comedics don't don't work or whatever but um i just feel like it it doesn't always kind of get that balance for me uh i think that often kind of comes down to the editing being a lot uh more haphazard than i was expecting it could also be the shortcomings of this being a first-time director but there were several moments where I felt like the joke was kind of uh, undercut by some odd editing choices or like the way that was cut together didn't really service the joke as well as I think it could have otherwise. Um, but I think what the movie does uh, benefit from is the genuine chemistry that comes between the four leads. Um, I think uh, Sabrina Wu is probably the highlight here. Um, I, I am agree. weary. Was I it? love Sabrina Wu in this. I know I totally agree. I love Sabrina Wu in this. I'm glad you're shouting them out. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, is the the actor they them as well? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Just checking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought uh, you know it's definitely the most inspired performance in the film, and and I'm a little weary, as you were mentioning, of characters who are meant to be portrayed on the spectrum being kind of like you know like their neuroses are kind of highlighted for comedic effect. I think it's something the film isn't always graceful about but there are enough moments here where uh you really do get to see like the heart of the character the emotionality of it. it's not really just a punchline uh that they're this kind of person um and i think that's where the second half of the film kind of finds more of its grace notes um but again i mean i i do think it all kind of comes down to whether or not this movie is funny or not and for me i think the answer is sometimes like, it's sometimes funny. Sometimes I found it kind of tiring. I, I I don't think the bigger set pieces work as well for me as the smaller 
kind of more off kilter character beats or some of the one liners. Um, you know, like there, there's a moment here, uh, like involving a chicken. I won't give it away. Of course, I think <laughs> is much funnier than like, say the, uh, like the drug adult scene, which just kind of felt a little perfunctory to me. Like it, it, this is a Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg production. It is. Uh, and, even, and even though I'm generally, you know, fond of their work, I feel like that's kind of a cliche of their films. Now it's just like, we need to have one big moment where all the characters are just like tripping their balls off. Uh, <laughs> I like and, that they never linger on that though, right? They do kind of move on from all the drug stuff, right? And that's actually something that I like about the movie is like it does have so much energy. It kind of has the family guy thing going on where it makes so many jokes that, and, and I think a lot of them are really great. So sure. at least my experience, like, even if something wasn't like a, a home run in terms of like the comedic effects, we move on so quickly to the next thing that it was easy for me to personally ignore. And the drug thing is actually a good example of that. Cause I felt like, you know, it, I think the, like the message of that scene was like clear. And I don't think it was like the funniest scene in the movie. I think one of the funniest big set pieces is the K-pop thing. Um, I was rolling. I, I lost my mind at that. And uh, I see you shaking your head being like, hey, it was whatever. But <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, this movie had me, uh, it had me hooked. And those were, yeah, times. I mean, uh, it does, fa- it, it's not as like, uh, I guess perfunctory as like, say the, like the drug scene in the interview or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still, I don't know. It, it does feel more like we have to do this because it's what people expect to me than like, it's broad comedy. Sure. That's why I kind of went, I, that's why like both times I came out of it, I was like, all right, it's not really a Will Ashton movie. I think that it does hit some notes that I think like, yeah, I know you can appreciate a dumb broad comedy, but I know they're not your absolute favorite. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people listening that that's going to be the case for them as well. And I, I have nothing sure. against that. Uh, you know, everyone loves what they love. I do want to mention about Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. I love that joke that Nick Kroll makes about uh, Evan Goldberg, where he's just like, no one knows what Evan Goldberg looks like. And like, just imagine what a guy like him has to look like when Seth Rogen is the face of the operation. It's a good joke. One of my favorite Nick Kroll <laughs> mm. observational humor pieces. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no. I, and look, I, I am not a, a 10 for 10 on Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg productions. Sausage Party, mm. for example, is a movie that I despise. I, mm. I, can't, I can't stand that movie. And like, I, hey, wanna, there you go. Uh, I think... We differ on comedies quite a bit, and that's uh, you know I wouldn't say it's yeah. okay because you know it makes me upset. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm not going to come out and say Sausage Party is a slam dunk, but I think I prefer Sausage Party to this. Oh, I'm totally opposite, <laughs> but uh, you know I respect I respect where you're coming from. You sure. know I think with me, you know you're you're pinpointing certain things that it's not that I disagree with them on the merits. I mean I think for me Joyride is a movie that just has so much energy to it. I mean this movie's electric. It moves so quickly. It's a tight 95 minutes. And I have very few complaints. Honestly, the only major complaints I have with the movie, and they're not even major, I, I think that there are a couple of scenes, especially early on, where you can tell that it's first drafty, just in the sense where it's like, you have a character like running up to the front of a classroom, and it's, it's very dramatic. And it's like, eh, there was probably a better way to communicate how we get this character's motivation for why they're an overachiever. Um, and they just kind of maybe rushed it a little bit in terms sure. of how they communicate that. But I, again, though, the movie throws so many jokes at you. It throws so many sort of like, all right, 
we're going to keep going, right? We, we we're not going to spend a lot of time in the opening location of this movie from the time where we meet Lolo and um, Audrey as their kids, which I, I would say at the very least, I think the opening scene of this movie is something that everybody can enjoy <laughs> for the most part, because it's so, I think that that's probably the most considered segment of the movie. Like you can just sort of tell that Adele Lim and the writers, like they really put a lot of time and attention of like, how do we start this? Like, what note do we start on? And they do balance that heart and humor, like almost perfectly, I think, where you have these like Asian parents who are in this like Seattle suburb and they they walk into this playground, they see all these like white people and they're just like, oh no. And then you have that like kind of like kind of conflicting sort of like, oh, is there about to be a racism kind of thing with the the white parents but no it turns out that they just want you know the two daughters to connect and you know it, all that stuff comes really well and then of course you have the the super hilarious moment where the the kid gets punched and uh this is a lot of this is in the trailer uh, i didn't know that uh you know I, I didn't watch the trailer before watching the movie and so i i certainly like loved kind of experiencing that for the first time and the second time i guess um through the movie, because I think that that sums up the movie for me. It's like, you know, a lot of heart, a lot of sort of like this commentary on Asian identity, whether you're Asian, Asian American, specifically Chinese, but they also comment on Taiwanese people, Japanese and Korean and all this other stuff. And so I think that in terms of like how this movie sort of stretches its definition of inclusivity, I, I think when even when you take it just from that level, it's really, really effective. And then when you add in all the humor, I mean, if the humor works for you, this movie is like a huge recipe for success because I think it's going to just really land with lots of people. It's, it is landing with people. It's getting lots of word of mouth and, you know, critics are liking it. You know, not everybody's liking it the same amount, but I, I would say people are looking at this and saying, hey, this is actually like, you know, it's a safe bet. You know what I mean? Like you're either going to love it or like it enough that you don't regret going out to watch it. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the there. I haven't really seen a lot of people outside of the internet really talk about it. I'll admit, but I, I I should say I live in the Bay Area. Like there are a lot of people out here who are. You know, I live in a place with a lot of Asian people, a lot of Asian Americans. And so I do have that opportunity to talk more to people who have been looking forward to this. And so like I, I could see why like it might not be as prevalent of a movie or buzzy a movie in other places of the country i understand that yeah i mean it's hard to say i mean it's hard to know if this will be more of a bridesmaid situation where that was not only a uh critical darling but obviously found uh mainstream success and obviously a couple uh oscar nominations as well or if this will be more of like a book smart situation where you know like that's you know the movie that just critics fell over heel head over heels for but like general audiences don't really seem to have the same reaction to. I think um, it's going to be in between. You know, it's not going to be a huge, no, it's not going to be another bridesmaids. Bridesmaids came out at a totally different time. Sure. It really did. I, I think girls trip is probably the easier comparison point. Yes. Um, yeah, because I, I also don't think, I mean, it is possible that Joyride is a book smart. And it's like book smart did not make a lot of money to what did not make a lot of money to what you're saying. Right. Uh, girls trip did not make nearly as much as bridesmaids. It made less than half of bridesmaids. Yes. But I do think that it was all, it was a big success. And I think this movie is probably might be between, between book smart and girls trip quite honestly. And that is a huge sure. gap. Uh, I think this is like at its best, probably hitting up to like a hundred million. Um, at its best, uh, I think yeah, more maybe. realistic. We're looking at like maybe forty to fifty million, right? Um, yeah. Depending on how the July goes. Yeah, 
I just think July is so stacked. Like you said, it's good counter programming. I get why they released it now and yes. why they're putting it in the middle of summer. Like that makes sense. I just think it, it's just going to have to compete with so much stuff, and it doesn't really help that you know it's not too far away from No Hard Feelings and a number of other comedies like The Blackening, uh, The Machine, All About My Father. Like that's you know, true, but these movies, I, I think that it's okay because these movies are not really like i mean look no hard feelings it has grossed around like 40 million so far in north america which is better than i expected for the movie to do but uh i i would say that like that movie is kind of petered out at this point and has left room for for this one blackening has not uh been right. taking off i mean blackening has only made like 17 million and that's fine for that movie that movie is not a big budget movie and it you know it did what it needed to do and it got in got out but uh, I, th- I think this movie's a little bit more sort of like the no hard feeling zone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's too early to know for sure. All these movies have um, been successful just based sure. on like their budgets <laughs> and marketing. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like, I would like this movie to do well. I mean, even though I have somewhat mixed feelings compared to you, at least, um, I, I would like a movie that, you know, all women cast, uh, women director, women writers, um, you know, it, it's it's good to see stuff like this and knowing it gets a big theatrical push. Like you said, you want movies like this to do well, especially when there's the uh, looming threat of like these movies being dignified as like, Oh, these are just, you know, um, uh, streaming titles or whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, I, I did see uh, recently a movie you just recently mentioned shortcomings. Um, and it's just kind of fascinating to, see that film and uh the commentary that has on current asian cinema and uh, even though a lot of the stars in that film uh are in this film as well including sherry cola like i feel like that movie despite its own kind of problems it has more of a deft hand i think on uh commenting on this genre and i think uh appealing uh to audiences uh in a uh funny but also more uh you know maybe knowing and grounded way uh obviously at the end of the day different kind of films different type of comedies but um yeah i don't don't know i just didn't this one i I will say it it did you know uh exceed my low expectations but at the same time uh as you had mentioned uh knowing that this movie is from two family guy writers it, it feels very apparent to me in terms of just kind of the you know throw everything at the wall and see what six comedy here it should be yeah. said, I am a bigger fan of Family Guy than you are. It's one of the things that Matt Serafini and I have bonded over in the last year. We both oh. like the Family Guy clips. I mean, I know I you like early, some of them, but... I love early Family Guy. I mean, there's no denying that. Well, Matt, Matt and I don't just love early sure. Family Guy. We love it all. We, we go all over the gamut. You sure. know what I mean? So, And that's fine. I, that's your right as an American. Sure. I, I do really like, though, that you pointed out that you know, say what you will about this movie, and, and people will have different perspectives on uh, the tearjerker stuff that happens toward the end. So people don't love how it meshes with the rest of the film tonally. I think it works quite great, actually. I think this the movie has me kind of tearing up, quite honestly, uh, toward its end. But I think that one thing a lot of people can agree on is the, as you already mentioned, the chemistry between the four actors. And I said in 2019 when you and I talked about Booksmart, 
I had a feeling, I had an intuition that there were actors in Booksmart who we would see them and they would really perk up again in other projects and their profile would continue to raise. And uh, one, one actor I pointed out was Molly Gordon. Molly Gordon, who's going to be in theater camp uh, coming soon. Great movie. She's one of the main characters in that. She was an excellent in The Bear. Uh, she's been in other great stuff like Shiva Baby. And, you know, I think that this movie, Joyride, is another good example of like, I just get the sense that this is not the last we're going to see of these actors. Obviously, Stephanie Hsu, obviously, Ashley Park. They're the two most recognizable actors in this, just because Ashley Park, pretty well known for her, her work on a couple of big shows. And then Stephanie Hsu was coming off of. The best picture, you know, winning movie, and uh, Stephanie Shu, by the way, who I think is just like one of those talents who's just going to continue to deliver. But yeah, I think Sherry Cole and Sabrina Wu are the two sort of surprise standouts, and they, they both appeared in, in multiple things that people have liked, you know. And I think that uh, I think Sabrina Wu has also been like a writer as well, and they, I, I just. The more I learn about Sabrina Wu and the kinds of things that they've been working on, uh, the more I'm sort of like, they are the real deal. And I, I truly hope that they continue to do more work like this because I just found Wu's take on the Deadeye character to be so fascinating. One of my favorite angles of the whole movie is their journey because they start with she, her pronouns in this movie. And they kind of started from as this character who's a little bit unsure of themselves, who's a little bit sort of like tagging along, but is the stealth heart, like absolutely the stealth heart. And the thing I love most about the Sherry Cole and Stephanie Shu characters are like, they started as rivals. They start out as like, both of them want to be Audrey's best friend. And then the movie kind of gets to a certain point where it's like, you know what? We mind some drama from that. And now we're just going to kind of take the next step. And sort of evolve these characters a little bit. And I found it really convincing. You know, there, there's a way that the movie could have done this that I think would have been less effective. And no, I, I actually think this movie kind of nails it. So uh, you also, you mentioned Return to Soul uh, when you were, you know, kind of cheekily referring to this movie to me and uh, somebody else in one of our, our film group chats. But uh, yeah, I mean, Return to Soul is like a funny sort of like way to look at this movie, like in terms of recent Asian cinema. We don't have to go into detail because of like spoilers and stuff like that. But sure, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's not spoilers to say they go to Seoul. Um, but uh, yeah, they do go yeah. to Seoul in this movie. Yes. Right. Um, but what happens there? Uh, the, the comparisons are a little spoilery. But yeah, I will say Return to Soul, I haven't really talked about on the show because uh, I hadn't seen it when you had seen it. Uh, really, really good movie. That movie kind of. It kicks my ass every time I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Truly one of the better, like, this is what it was like to be a millennial in the 20 teens kind of movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as uh, Wu's performance goes, I, I mean, that's probably the best discovery of the film for me. Um, I wasn't as familiar with uh, Park, I'll admit. Uh, I haven't watched the shows that she's been in, so this is my introduction to her. Yeah, I, I think she's, she's more well-recognizable, but yeah, not to me. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I think she stood out to me more dramatically in this film than comedically, but she is like the straight woman, more or less, of the film. So she's a straight woman, but she gets to do some fun stuff. Like she gets sure. to get into the hijinks more than you usually expect, like in a hangover movie, right? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where our viewing experiences of the film <laughs> were vastly different in the sense like you got to see this lavish premiere. Uh, you know, you got to see an organist, you got to see <laughs> the director. You saw it at like an AMC at like 10 a.m. <laughs> like, or no, it was noon. It was noon. Sorry. It was noon. 
it was in a kind of ritzy mall, and I was the only person there, uh, which is fine. I mean, I actually... I only mean, person is, behind the wheel. This is me being, uh, you know, the uh, um, you know isolated person that I am, but I love to watch comedies by myself because I feel like, I don't know, like horror movies also I love to watch by myself. Like, I feel like those are movies that are designed to be watched in a crowd, but I'm like, no. I'm good with, like, any movie by myself. Sure, it's not yeah, always I ideal, mean, I guess, but like I can always hang. I don't know. I just feel like people like, especially comedies. If you get the wrong audience, like they'll like try a joke with the film, and like you know, it's like someone trying to do like their like you know impression of a comedian or whatever, and just like yeah, I don't want that. The best I way to watch, watch here it is. The yeah. best way to watch a movie by yourself, but drunk. You know why? Sure. Because yeah. then when you're drunk, your sober self is there as well. Mm. You know what I mean? And they're well, just sort of judging you the whole time. Sure. And you also always have Jesus by your side, no matter what. So you, you, you have full. There you go. Three's company, there, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. There let's, you go. let's bring the Holy Spirit into it as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Four, four people, yeah. just like in Joyride. Yeah. Uh, so I, do, I, I guess I had a pretty attentive crowd watch the film, if that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> I do appreciate that uh, you went on your own little, sort of like mini Joyride over the course of this review. Uh, so yeah. the listeners don't know because they can't see, but you were literally like, you were outside at one point, you were in a car, now you're inside of a building. Um, for the listeners yeah. who don't know, Will's audio setup kind of got messed up. So mm. he has been using his phone, which is why he sounds like he's calling in and he's a yeah. first time caller, long time listener right. kind of deal. Yeah. I love it. it. To me, it sounds like we're a radio show and sure. I'm just sort of like bringing in, like he's asking for like advice on the latest Joyride movie. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know if the listeners know the, the effort and the hassle I've been trying to go through. You've been to through make a lot. It work. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I feel it's giving these summer episodes kind of a looser vibe. Uh, I hope people enjoy. It. I hope people are annoyed by it. But yeah, I'm I'm just trying to make do with what I can. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do want to play the Rotten Tomatoes game, but uh, was there any, any last points before uh, we move on from there? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, nothing else is really standing out to me at this time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I, I wish I had the response that you had to the film. I I feel like it's not like you know it's not like we're night and day on it, but I just kind of feel like you had a deeper, more lasting uh, relationship to it. And I kind of was just like, yeah, it was fine. Like, you know, solid like rental for me. Sure. Um, but, you know, well, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> um, here's an example of a positive review on Letterboxd. Uh, one of the popular ones is from David Chen, uh, film cast. Uh, David Chen. He yeah. said, Joyride opens with a white boy taunting two Asian girls on a playground by saying no, and I don't want to say that out, out loud because it's a, a bit of a slur, uh, but sure. no Asian slur allowed. Right before he is immediately punched the F out. The movie had me from that point forward. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. And then we have this other review someone some, from someone named Kev Flicks and Shill. Uh, I like the original title Joy F Club better. Uh, and I think they're referring to Joy Luck Club. But uh, holy F, Joyride is hilarious. Genuine raunch comedy like I haven't seen in quite some time. I was doubled over with laughter. And I know I haven't laughed as hard at any scene the way I did during the train scene here. So that's the scene that Will was referring to that he could not, he didn't, he couldn't get into. Um, but Keflex and Cheryl continues. Ashley Park, Stephanie Shu, Sherry Cola, and Sabrina Wu are a stellar ensemble. 
They have excellent chemistry together, comedic timing, off the charts, and sizzling sex appeal. Then after an hour plus on this side splitting journey, Joyride blindsided me with an emotional wallop that got the tears flowing. Seeing a crowd with a bunch of friends at like a late night showing, do not wait to screen or stream this. Excuse me. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll try to find a negative review too. I don't want. I don't want to uh, knock you out here. Uh, here's one from Supreme Lemon. I thought Aquafina rapping lyrics written by Lin Manuel Miranda was going to be the worst thing this year, but then this movie comes along with a Pan Asian American K-pop inspired performance of WAP. Like honestly, what the f? Mm. There you go. Uh, that's the most negative review I saw in here. I thought you were just going to go ahead and read the um, Lights Camera Jackson tweet. No, no, forget. We don't need to give him attention on that. Sure. Okay, here, here's a two and a half star one from Joel. Uh, Joel said, Joyride is one of those classic misses for me that seems to be hitting for everyone else. The flick is a raunchy comedy full of raunchy jokes where the raunchy punchline is the long and short of it. I'm good with body humor. And uh, when there's more to the comedy than show off, he look at me being naughty hand waving. Joyride is about a Chinese born American who's visiting China, visiting China for the first time since she was adopted together with three other friends. They make a road trip of the visit, having racy, sometimes very explicit hijinks along the way. I guess my disconnect with this film seems to be it's thinking that women say the darndest things is enough for a belly laugh. It's not though, at least for me. Plus there's just unfunny comedy beats that awkwardly end scenes usually delivered by startling, unfunny monotone of a side character. Uh, they continue on, but they, they also kind of say that, you know, comedy is subjective and what doesn't work for them might work for them. So, you know, I, I thought this was a pretty uh, balanced review, though. I thought, you know, pretty well argued from their perspective. Well, speaking of uh, letterbox reviews, I saw that yours was uh, you pitching the sequel, I guess, which you were <laughs> claiming would be called uh, Joyride or Die, if I recall correctly. No, 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 not Joy Ride or Die, Lashin. My <laughs> my review of this film, and I want to make sure I say this correctly because I might have changed it. Uh, no, you actually, you're right. I did my second time. I said, I hope they call the sequel Joy Ride or Die. But the first time, the first yeah. time I said is like, I want this movie tattooed. I'm like, you know what? And that's yeah. yeah, true. And I had another review of this movie that I didn't publish, but I said uh, Crazy Bitch Asians, um, which I, I think is fine. But All I right. didn't want to cause that much trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah, so two points there. Um, one, <laughs> uh, I feel like the the, the sequel, if, if it would get one, would be Joy Bride. It's um, right. going you know, on a yes. uh, bachelorette trip. Right, they'll be doing the hangover part. Right, hangover yeah, 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 yeah. But it would be like, you know, criticizing hangover part two, you know, being like offensive to Thailand and all that yes. stuff. I feel like that's... <laughs> That's the obvious route to go with the sequel. I would love it. I'm going to be going to Thailand uh, later this year. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, obviously, I mean, since we did talk about it uh, with no hard feelings, yeah, there is a, uh, and you were kind of referencing it, I believe, at the time, uh, a very sort of um, uh, graphic uh, female nude scene in the film. Yeah. Pretty yeah, awesome. which is, uh, it's fascinating, you know? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, as far as like, you know, uh, I was going to say, don't get all pilgrim on me. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, just a sense like, I, I feel like it's very progressive to have, you know, women use their, uh, bodies for comedy. You know, like, I feel like there's a societal expectation for women to just have like, you know, kind of binary ways of, of using their bodies and, you know, expecting their bodies. And I think it's just really cool 
to see that. You know, I mean, I'm a guy. I mean, it's not my maybe not my place to comment on that too thoroughly, but you know, I think that's neat. I would, you know, I think I it's neat too. Yeah, because these um, movies usually they use our bodies. Usually, it's like nothing but dick jokes, nothing but you know. And I think that's usually because these movies come from the male perspective, right? And I know for me as a guy, like I want more than just the male perspective in right. movies. Like it's so boring to just get the same old thing all the time. You right. know what I mean? And I kind of like how this movie stretches into like a different gender, into a different way of like seeing things and finding laughter and things. But you know, this is one of those movies where it's universal and how it it gets that stuff across. I think. Yeah, I just get nervous about talking about it, though because I don't want to sound like a perv or anything. It's not like me trying to be like, yes, yeah, more female nudity in the sense of like, you, no, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I, I, I think it's you know like genuinely uh, progressive, you know, to kind of do stuff like this, especially in comedy, which I feel it's pretty rare. Like you said, it's mostly like dick jokes or ball jokes or what have you, you know. Um, at least in the last few years, last decade or so, which obviously you know there was once upon a time where. You know, like something like uh, Jason Siegel going full frontal and forgetting Sarah Marshall was like revolutionary. Whoa, but no, you know, what? Yeah, right, right. But no, I mean, this feels like the natural step. And I, I'm curious to see uh, where comedy goes from here. I'm curious to see how you do on the Rotten Tomatoes game. Sure, yeah. Natural segue. 142 reviews so far on Joy Ride as we record this. Uh, we'll ask you, what's your guess? What do you think? Because this one's been all over the map. Yeah. Know? Um, probably in the nineties. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be mid to high nineties, but I'm going to say probably on the lower side. So I'm going to say 93%. For a while, this movie was a hundred and it was kind of gravitating in the upper nineties, but you're correct that it went down a bit. You know, more critics watched it. More critics were critical. And I think, uh, you know, nature took its course. It's at 92%, so you're only one off. Not bad. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. You have the right instinct on that one. Uh, audience score, we have 250-plus verified ratings. Very low. Uh, you know, the movie has been out for a few days as we record this. And uh, yeah, it, to, to what we already mentioned, I mean, the movie hasn't been breaking box office records. Let's put that out there. But uh, some people have been watching and logging in on the old letterbox. Uh, what do you think the audience score is right now? This one's tricky because... Like I, I think generally speaking, audiences are a lot more forgiving of comedies. But knowing the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, I know they have a bad, gross history of like being very mean and demeaning to like women-led films like this. So I don't know if that would uh, deflate the score in any way. I mean, not to say there are people obviously that um, would you know rate the film poorly on uh rotten tomatoes for you know genuine reasons uh not like political or anything but um nevertheless i i do think that might hinder the score uh i mean maybe the rotten tomatoes has cleared up their act as far as that stuff's concerned so i don't think it's going to be like you know like 54 percent audience score or whatever but i do think it's probably going to be maybe a little bit lower than it would be otherwise so i'm going to say 76 percent you're you're you have the right thinking but i think that you are underestimating audiences who are liking it so it's at 82 okay. a little bit higher okay a little bit cool. higher yeah well, let's see how you do a cinema score uh what do you think the folks in vegas have to say are they rolling the dice on mm. joyride um i think audiences probably like it i don't know if they're liking it as much as critics are right now but i, I imagine they're you know they're all about having a fun time in vegas and I, I imagine they probably feel the same way about the film um i'm between a b plus and a minus 
I, I feel like I usually do the B plus, so I'm going to try to say they gave it an A minus. You know what's funny about this? So I went through this experiment, and I was like, I'm going to guess two. I guessed B. Mm. Because I do think that like raunchy stuff like this tends to offend. Mm. right? And as it turns out, it's a B minus. Oh, so, okay. yeah, which I saw that, and I was like, ah, that's a bummer, but I can see it. But I'm, I'm kind of surprised. You kind of looked at it. You were like, you know what? The folks in Vegas are ready for a wild time. And yeah. Apparently, they were not. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean. That's sad, sad, sad that that turned out that way, but you know. Yeah. It's rare that I'm uh, in step with the, the folks at uh, CinemaScore, though. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I don't know what this means. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. You do sound more like you were like a B and B minus on this one. So, yeah. Mm. Um, okay. In terms of Letterboxd, 22,000 watches. Very low. Um, but, you know. I guess it's not that surprising. Uh, what do you think the average rating is on Letterboxd.com? Uh, 3.4. So close. You've been nothing but near misses for you this mm. week. 3.5. Uh, I mean, your cinema score was a bit off, but that's okay. Um, yeah, 3.5. And, and that tracks. You know, I, I've seen reviews definitely range on this, but I've seen plenty of 3.5s from, for example, Emma Sasek, friend of the show, gave it 3.5. But then Kimber Myers, friend of the show, gave it 4. And, uh, you know, I've seen a few other folks we know, just, you know, like Kristen Lopez, four stars. And yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it does come down to uh, Man of the Jedi, also three and a half. I think people like liking it. You know, they like liking this movie. But I don't know if there have been as many people who have loved the movie as effusively as I have. And uh, but, you know, that's OK. Most folks seem to be between you and me. Mm. Is yeah, that how it usually is? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's some kind of wobbly direction here, but then again, like I feel the same way about like bridesmaids or girl trip. I think you know bridesmaids and girl trip, you know, still kind of work out because of the strength of the cast mm-hmm. and all that. Um, I, I guess I don't know if I'm quite there with this one as much, but um, yeah, I mean, I could see why you know some of the reactions are probably more reserved. But then again, like you know, comedy it's kind of a different ball game as far as these things are concerned. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, I, All I, right. I feel like that's something else I wanted to say there, but I am totally forgetting, and, and we're already an hour <laughs> into this, so we can wrap this up. Next week, we have two movies worth talking about. Uh, well, of course, we already mentioned Past Lives. We want to get to at some point. Maybe that's going to be a bonus. Uh, but the, the big movie coming out this coming weekend is, of course, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, I already watched that one. I think you're going to be checking out this weekend. There's also Theater Camp which mm. I've also already seen um, from Sundance. And I do want to watch it again. Uh, Theater Camp, uh, one of my favorite comedies of the year, along with Joyride. So I know, Will, we got a lot going on You know, in the lead up to Barbie and Oppenheimer. So you and I have to sort of uh, enjoy the movies while we can before those two movies come along and just disrupt everything, break our hearts, ruin the world. Yeah, well, um, I think Mission Impossible has already come out by the time we are recording this, and I'll, I'll hopefully have a chance to see it tomorrow. Uh, and I'm going to be traveling pretty soon, so I'm going to have to record this one with you sooner than usual. So I don't yes. think I'm going to have a chance to see Theater Camp. I don't even think it's open here uh, this weekend. I could be wrong, though. Um, it's going to be Searchlight, so I don't know the extent of its release. It could be a limited release, to your point. Uh, I know that uh, it's going to be limited the first weekend, and then after that, I think it's going to be expanding but uh, big fan. I mean, if it's opening in your area and you are not that interested in Mission Impossible for whatever reason, I, I think it's worth your time. 
Oh, and uh, to say, uh, Molly Gordon also co-directed the film you were talking about before. Yeah, she also co-directed the film, and uh, she is a treasure. Sure, yeah. I I will say I finally saw a trailer for Theater Camp uh, before Joyride, uh, and I think it looked somewhere between amusing and cringe. <laughs> I think you should just stick to the cringe. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be a little bit of both. Who knows? All right, yeah. well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Cinema Hawks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon from the Internet California. I am John Agroni. And for the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Walsh. See you next time. This episode was a trip.